0: how Christ began to transform religion through unlikely relationships. We started a series last week called Walking with a King and we talked about how Christ went to each of the disciples in their place where they were, where they worked specifically using Matthew a tax collector and we'll read a little bit of that again in a moment. But we talked a little bit about how he He um, would call them, go to Matthew, and he went to Matthew and he said, follow me. And the irony of that statement is, it wasn't a question, it was a statement. And the irony or the interesting part of that is that when he said, follow me, he didn't say, get saved first and then come walk with me. He didn't say, get cleaned up first, and then you can come walk with me. He also didn't say, I'll accept you just as you are forever. He also didn't say, I'm going to play in your park. You come walk with me. I'm not walking with you. (laughs) Does that make sense? I mean, think about it again. I'll remind you again before we dive into Philemon here a little bit. Turn to Philemon. It might take you a minute to find it. There's one chapter there. It is in the New Testament. I'll give you that hint towards the rear. Go to Revelation. Turn left a few books. But the interesting thing about it is that... um, The disciples, none of them were born again. None of them were born again. He called them, laid on them, listen, this gets crazy, gave them responsibility, Joyce. They weren't even born again. They they not even they weren't even certain yet. He was the, absolutely the Messiah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's true. In fact, they doubted yep. out loud. Yeah. I, I'm not making this up. This is in your Bible. So if you're if you're watching online and you're coming you're thinking I'm I'm a heretic or whatever, it's in your Bible. You got to just read your Bible. And if you can't, I'm reading it for you right now. But they weren't even born again. They weren't even born again. Walking with a king. They weren't even born again. They had some concept of religion, certainly. They're Jewish. They had some understanding of the law and legalism, certainly. They were raised in it, taught in it, to the extent that they were taught. But they were so much more comfortable with the law. And then here comes this cat out of a wood shop. I'm just making it real. This is how real it was to them. I just want it to be as real to you and me. I want it to be as practical and as plain to you and me as it was to them. It was just plain old vanilla and chocolate. That's all it was. It was a swirl, soft serve swirl. <laughs> sort of like the rock. <laughs> That's right. They came to him and he began to give them responsibility and they doubted him. Yeah. He began to give them responsibility. He began to teach them. He said, come walk with me. He said, follow me. He did not say to them, uh, meet me at 6 o'clock and I'm going to follow you around. <laughs> yeah. Good he said, you follow me. Where are we going? Just follow. Every day I turn around and I still see you there. I'll know you've learned something. The first day I turn around and you're no longer there. I'll know you've quit. I know you're a believer when I look up and see your face. I know you're an unbeliever when I look up and don't. Hallelujah. Amen? Yes, amen? Is that, is that practical? Yes. That's Christ. Amen. And they knew religion, they knew the law, they knew legalism, they knew the rules, they knew the regulations, they knew what was required of them to, to be appeased. But think about this Christ guy. Just finished making a wood bench. I felt a lot like him this week. I made one. <laughs> but he just made a table. He goes out and he wanders around. He sees these fellows and he starts calling them out one by one. Says, follow me. On this day three, on this day four, on this day two, on this day four more. Right. But within a few days, he'd call them all. And he says to them follow me and if they asked where did he where were they where was he going his response was simple listen the foxes have holes birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head follow me if i look up and see your face you're a believer if i look up and don't you're not but where are we going We're about to turn this religion thing you've been doing upside down, he says. Although he didn't say that. He did that. He wasn't trying to kill one thing so another thing could live. He was breathing life into one thing so that the other thing would die. Did you hear what I just said? If I spend my time and my effort and my energy trying to kill what I know isn't right. And I put all of my focus and emphasis on that because I want what is right to come alive, I lose. But if I put my energy in doing what is right, that which is wrong will die all by itself. He wasn't interested in talking about religion and all of its failings and spending much time at all on that, only in a moment of explanation when someone would ask him a question. And even then, he was obscure. And even then, it was a parable that he would use, only so that he could see that there was a need to join the natural and the spiritual together, which is what a parable does. But in the middle of all of that and he's saying to them, in the middle of all of that, he's looking at them and he's saying to them, just walk with me and be my friend. And as long as you're walking with me, you're my friend. But what did Judas become when he betrayed Christ and walked out on him? Did he become the enemy? Think about it for a second. I'm about to bring some life to you. When Judas sold out Christ and in turn the disciples. What did Judas become when Christ realized Judas was no longer with him? Did he become his enemy? No he did not. He simply became an unbeliever. Not an enemy See, because if I have an enemy, to accept that I have an enemy is to believe that I have to dominate them, that I have to win, that I have to destroy them, that I have to fight them. Because the moment anybody becomes our enemy, it is at that very moment that we begin in our own mind, whether we want to admit it or not, and I think we would be wise if we did. But the minute someone becomes our enemy, it is at that moment we are always, we are determined in our own mind and heart, they will never get the upper hand in a situation. And we are already scheming to figure out how can we return to them, whatever it is that they paid me with. It's true of everybody in this room. And to say that someone is an enemy says that now I have to put my focus on that. And I do not have the ability to put my focus on the life that friendship offers. So what Christ did was, instead of giving any attention to Judas, which he did not, when Judas betrayed him, he did not go to him and say, you are my enemy, I hate you, you're so bad, and I'm going to find a way to get you back, you sold me for 30 pieces? 30 coins? Instead of Christ doing that, you know what Christ did? He focused on those. When he looked up, he saw their face. He said, I'll focus on the life. But those who looked at him and those who to, those that he would look at and he could see their face are the ones that he knew. These are the most unlikely of relationships. I am the son of the living God and I'm sitting at a table with a tax man, H&R Block. I am the Son of the Living God, and I'm sitting at a table with men who catch fish. Shouldn't I be with CEOs? Because ultimately, I am the CEO of all things. So Christ wasn't interested in trying to figure. Out. He would. Cole. He was interested in growing the kingdom. And he was introducing something to the world that the world had never seen. And in many ways, we are doing exactly that today. Not because the world has never seen it, but because the world saw it, began to filter it, mm. wow. begin to try to blend it yeah. with the past instead of entering into the present and what was to come. And because they tried to blend it, it became so watered down that it lost its power. Do you realize people get up every week, every Sunday, and they lay in their bed and they decide whether or not they're going to go to the building where churches gather? They lay there and they contemplate and they consider whether or not they will go. See that person? would not have been the one that Christ would have gone to at the table and said, follow me. Because he would have said, they might come with me now, but in the morning they might have to decide whether they really want to. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm just bringing it home. Yeah, that's good. So if we're going to be the kind of place... Where Christ went to, and he was introducing something brand new, different, life changing, different face, everything. And it was through the most unlikely of relationships. <laughs> through the most unlikely of relationships. Angel. He was going to change the earth. And I don't think there'd be anybody in this room, not me, not you, not any one of us in this room today, if we did not at least in part have something in us that said, I want to change the earth. Amen. Let's look at Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Athea, our sister, and our Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus. Uh, Matt, can you get me a cup of water, please? Need me try to drink that. Thank you. Toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing, thank you, that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort From your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. (laughs) I I think, Cole, this is how I feel about you. Is it okay? I know you probably think, man, this guy, I wish he would just forget that I'm even here right now. (laughs) But Paul says to Philemon, he says, accordingly... Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, what is right, yet for love's sake, I'm going to appeal instead. I, Paul, an old man, I don't align with this part, but he said, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Philemon Onesimus. Philemon is a slave owner. Onesimus is a slave that ran away. I'm just giving you the context of this. I'm an old man, and I'm also a prisoner for Christ, because of Christ, on behalf of Christ... And I appeal to you for my child, or my new friend, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment, because we're both spending time together in jail. He ran away, he's a runaway slave, he was caught, he was captured, he shares a prison cell with me, and because of that, we've developed a relationship, I've now led him to Christ, and I'm teaching him about that, he's become a son of the kingdom. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useless only because as a slave to Philemon, he did... Slaves do what the masters tell them to do. Sons go beyond. Sons don't need, are not required to be told what to do. They do it because they see it needs to be done. Right. 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 Slaves do because they have no choice. Sons do because they find joy in serving. He said, so formerly he was useless to you because he was a slave, but now indeed he's useful to you and to me because he's now a son. He has a revelation of something that is bigger and deeper. I'm sending him back to you. Sending, uh, I'm sending him back to you. Sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be in compulsion, but of your own accord. I want you to do what is right because it's right, not because of our relationship. For this perhaps is why he was pe- parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever instead of only until the time that his price had been paid as a slave. You can have him for a season or you can have him for a lifetime, Philemon. No longer as a bond... Let me back up. For this perhaps is why he was parted Uh, parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever no longer as a bond servant but more than that as a beloved brother especially to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord so if you consider me your partner receive Onesimus as you would receive me If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Hmm. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Receive this young man with a right spirit. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me because I'm coming and I like my steak medium and I like my okra fried, that your prayers will be graciously given to you. What's in that? Unlikely relationship. Here's a man that loves the Lord, Paul. He's in prison for the sake of Christ. Thrown into the cell that he's sitting in is a man that ran away. He's owned by another man. He ran away. He comes into the cell with Paul probably begins to vent, Paul begins to friend him, Paul didn't focus on you rascal, you're a slave, you're a runaway slave, slavery, that's bad, I'm sorry that you're in that situation, oh, how terrible is that guy that he did this to you, that he would even suggest that he could possibly own you, and yet here you are, no, did Paul do that, no, I promise you what Paul did, was say tell me a little bit about you let me tell you a little bit about me now let me tell you how I became and why I'm in prison I'm in prison because of this I'm in prison because my life was changed by somebody who came and introduced something to me outside of the ordinary outside of the usual outside of what was expected and I promise you doesn't matter the condition of your life doesn't matter what you've come from doesn't even matter why you might have found yourself in slavery doesn't matter if you were put there through compulsion or if it was imposed upon upon you or if you were there because you're trying to buy your way out of a debt however in the world you got into slavery is irrelevant what is relevant is that I promise you the God that changed me the Christ that did something miraculous in me if you will walk with me spend some time with me Onesimus I can begin to teach you something that is bigger than you and you'll find out that slavery is not your account Being owned by your past. Being owned by a denomination. Being owned by religion. Being owned by the whatever. Legalism. Being owned by another man. Being owned by a belief. Being owned by whatever it might be. By an employer. By an employee. By a feeling that this is my responsibility. Being owned by that. I'm telling you there's a freedom from that. I want to show you another way. and the only way I can show you another way is for you to walk with me. I can't sit here and define for you why the way you're in is wrong. I can't sit here and explain to you why doing it like you're doing it is all wrong because then all I'm doing is spending my time talking about that. But I'd rather talk to you about life and living because if I can talk to you about life and living and I can get you to cross, step over the threshold, son. Step over the threshold, son. If I can get you to step over that thing, this unlikely relationship can turn into something that will change your life and the life of those that you come to know tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day after that. And the same is true of Christ. I think it's important that we understand. I love this verse. Let me read it. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 in the ESV, English Standard Version says, When the Pharisees saw Christ eating with tax collectors and sinners in Matthew's house, they said, why, do your teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I like it better in the New Living Translation. It reads like this. This is more like you and I would speak today or some might. It says, But when the Pharisees saw that he was eating with tax collectors and sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? And it wasn't, I think, what needs to be understood here. Listen to what I'm telling you today. Unlikely relationships. It wasn't that Christ was eating with such scum. It was that such scum was eating with Christ. Listen to me. Christ wasn't looking for a place to eat with those who did not know him. He was looking to fellowship with a man, Matthew, who was walking with him. And because of what Matthew, the relationship that was being developed between him and the Christ, Matthew could not help himself but to go and to gather his friends and say, I want to tell you the man I've been telling you about is going to be eating at my house tonight and I want all of you to come. I don't even know if he got Christ's permission. Who knows? But they gathered together, and Christ came in there, and it wasn't. And when the Pharisees and the Sadducees questioned why he would be eating among such unlikely people, and they identified them, You got tax collectors and sinners in there and he's supposed to be a righteous man. What's he doing eating with them? Well, he's not eating with them, they're eating with him. And while they're eating with him, they're learning that there is another way. See, you call them tax collectors and scum, he calls them opportunity. You call them tax collectors and scum, he calls them a moment in time that is lost but can be captured again. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? What is the rock if we are not a place where the tax collectors and sinners can come? Not so that we can say we're eating with tax collectors and sinners, but so that we can say in this place there is life. And if you will gather here and you will walk with us, I want to tell you your life will be changed, but you're welcome here. It doesn't matter if you're a tax collector today and not tomorrow. You might be one for a month or a year. But come, 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 whoever you are. I'm looking at you on the screen. If you're watching and you think you're not allowed to come into this place because you don't understand what it is we're preaching, I invite you to come and be a part of who we are. I invite you to join us in our circle groups. I invite you to join us to our picnics and parties and our moments in time where we gather together to declare that the Christ that redeemed us is the same Christ that wants to redeem you. Jenny Kerner I'm going to wrap it up with this I think but Jenny Kerner in intercession Wednesday morning said something in her prayer she prays out loud and she uses a microphone so you can hear everything that Jenny says and we hold it all against her <laughs> it's fantastic if you've not been to intercession you're able I would encourage you to be here six o'clock every Wednesday morning but she said something out loud that I immediately wrote down because it struck a chord in me. And she was speaking and she was in her intercession. She said, Don't change the way we behave, but change the way we live. She said, Father, don't change the way I behave, but change the way I live. And immediately, I understood that statement because behavior and the way we live is not the same. I choose to behave a certain way, I live the way I am. We tell our kids, You better behave. When they go over someone's house, and we expect that when they go over there, no matter how they are normally, their behavior (laughs) is going to reflect the supernatural. Because behavior is learned. It is decided. It is a decision that we make. I'm going to behave in this particular way, in this particular moment, but I live who I am. The way I live is not my decision. The way I live is a direct, is the fruit of what I believe. Behavior is always temporary. Living is a reflection of the whole. Where behavior is a reflection of the peace. So, for the rock. For the rock of central Florida. Said to you last week, and I'm telling you again today, and I'm going to say it again in the next service. When the people start coming that look like scum, I use that word very loosely not derogatorily but in the sense that much of the church would look at them and say what are they doing here my wife and I have preached in churches and meetings and churches when they would say if you're wearing necklaces or jewelry you can't come here if a woman's wearing pants you can't come here it's just bizarre to me what if they're not wearing anything at all What if they smell like they haven't had a bath in two years? What if they have so many bugs in their hair, their hair's moving? Come on. Tell you what my heart is. Let them come. Anybody who's willing to walk and take the journey is someone who's willing to change. And Jim, change doesn't come in a moment for all. For some people, it's a longer journey than it is for others. But the common denominator, the constant that is true in every person's life that will hear and obey the voice of the Lord is that change will come. And it will come every day. And I said to the men Thursday night. Bless you. I said to the men Thursday night. I said if we live a single day. Let me put it this way. Let me say what I said first. If we live, live a single day without conviction. It's that day that we're not hearing the voice of Holy Spirit and it's not because he's not talking. I should never lay my head down on a single night without at some point in the waking hours of that day that I have not been convicted in some way by the Holy Ghost of God. Because I'm always, as long as there is blood in my veins and flesh on my bone, every day the Father's going to be working on me. every day, and he never takes a break, and some of us, it's more laborious on his part than others, some of us are a little bit more high maintenance than others, perhaps, some of us quickly say, conviction came, and I repented, and I corrected that, and I said, help me, change my lifestyle based on that, and others fight it. Can our prayer be that I'm never convicted more than once for the same thing? Yes. If he has to spend five days sending the same conviction every day, every day Holy Spirit has to say, is today the day? Is today the day? Is today the day? Every day is convicting me for the same thing. What's he not convicting me for? I want to grow fast. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you or me... If you or me or we as a people and as a house have had anything in us, and this is how I'm going to conclude this this morning. If we've had anything in us that resists the tax collector and the sinner, coming in or sitting at our table or coming to our circle groups or having dinner with us or wherever. You don't have to go where they're at. They'll come to you if they believe they're invited. They'll come to you if they believe they can come and eat and not get hit over the head with a Bible. I believe that I have a piece to that that connects what you said and what she said directly. Okay, go ahead. It's on, there we go. Uh, I'll be very brief. The behavior versus living. People who are what you described are used to people behaving a certain way around them. So, you know, someone creepy walks up, you kind of, you hold your kids closer, that's behavior, you're like, whoa. You have to think, don't freak out, act normal. Right. If we can get to a place where when they come in and it's living, genuine, no change of behavior, It's who I am to come up to somebody who is like what you said and do this without any hesitation in in a real way. That is how they will become a part of this house like that. That's exactly right. I agree. If in you or me, if in you or me, there is any hesitation to receive the tax collector or the sinner, Sam, Joyce, Priscilla, Donna, Seth, Deborah, whomever, if there's any hesitation in us to receive them, we need to ask Holy Spirit to forgive us because they're coming. Because we're going to make a place. (laughs) We are going to make a place for all of them. We don't have to go where they are, and we don't have to go to their house and party with them and do all of that. Remember, Christ didn't go, they didn't, he didn't go have dinner with them. They came and had dinner with him. That's right. That's right. That's right. We need to understand what we're called to. If we're living this thing, you've got a lot to give. Let Holy Spirit convict us. Father, I lift my voice today over this people, over this house, over these men, these women, these sons, these daughters, over Cole. Cole, I lift my voice over you too, son. Father, I speak today and declare today is a day you're changing all of us, not just Cole, not just me, not just Matt, not just Norris. You are changing all of us. Convict us every single day. Until the change comes that you're requiring of us. Let us be strong. Not because we're a man, not because we're a woman. Let us be strong because we're sons. Sons of the Most High God. Sons of a God that said, I'm sending my only begotten son so that whosoever will, whosoever believes in him, come one, come all. Whosoever will. If they will receive this gospel, they will never be the same again. Father, let it be. Help us to receive this word today over and over in our mind and our heart and our spirit. Be glorified. I bless these men. I bless these women for listening, for sitting under the sound of my voice today. I'm nothing more than a man like they are, yet you put a word in me you put a word in me that is imperative that it is released into the earth and this is the seed this is the soil into which you have called me to release it that's right so produce the fruit for which you sent it in Jesus name amen 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 amen